2: plushcare.com slash loss Hello and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and I'm excited to bring you the latest episode in our series looking at all of the clubs in La Liga and telling their unique stories, this time around, we're telling the story of Osasuna, the club from the city of Pamplona in the north of Spain, who've been a regular in Spain's top division over the years. They make it into the top 20 of Spanish clubs in terms of the most seasons spent in the top tier, so it's fair to say that they belong in the first division of Spanish football. They've never quite won a major trophy, but there have been some special moments, of course. Let's have a listen to a few of them now.
3: Osasuna, en dos minutos calentamos el ambiente, en dos minutos calentamos a la gente, Osasuna 3, Bayern Leverkusen 0, qué resultado para el equipo español. desde el porte, balón pasado, podemos oh, bueno. oh, gol. Bueno. gol,
4: ha marcado, bueno. el Osasuna marcado a Loisi. ha marcado a ha marcado a empata a Osasuna. Señala el final del partido, el colegiado Osasuna
3: es campeón. De la Segunda División Española!
2: So those were some of the best ever moments in Osasuna's history. We had one of their famous European nights when they thrashed Bayer Leverkusen away from home. We had a goal in the Copa del Rey final and we had one of their many promotions into the top division. It's now time to go back to hear even more detail about the history of the club and we're going to do that with Paco Pollitt explaining their foundation, their early years and what Osasuna has meant to the city of Pamplona and the region of Navarre, especially in a cultural sense. Here's Paco coming up then, after we briefly listen to the Osasuna club hymn.
4: club atlético osasuna has had a turbulent history osasuna was founded by a group of navars in 1920 in pamplona's cafe kutz the region had seen a number of clubs dissolve, so representatives of two sides, Sociedad Esportiva and the new club, joined forces to create a new team. The name Osasuna, chosen by Benjamín and Dojan Martínez, is the Basque word for health and vigour. Osasuna is different to most Spanish clubs as it's fan-owned, meaning supporters get to vote on things like presidential elections, badge changes and budget decisions. Over its 100-year history, the club has represented its members and the people of the region, not just in an sporting sense, but culturally and politically too. 15 years after its foundation, the club reached the National First Division. Then war broke out. Fought between 1936 and 1939, the Spanish Civil War ravaged Pamplona and the rest of the Basque country. Franco's fascists killed hundreds of republicans and separatist socialists in the city, many of whom were club members. As friend of the podcast and Osasuna fan Ignasi Torné shared in an excellent Twitter thread, one such victim was Eladio Silvetti, a founding member of the club. As a member of a Basque nationalist group, he was arrested four days before Christmas 1936. He was executed four weeks later, his official cause of death, a result of the glorious national movement. Silvetti's sacrifice was only officially recognized in October 2017 with a street in Pamplona renamed in his honor. Banned from speaking the Basque language and celebrating the region, Osasuna became a bastion of local identity and a symbol of defiance for local people. The 1950s saw the club have its first sustained run in Primera. With the 1957-1958 season standing out for a fifth-placed finish, The following decade, financial difficulties while in the second division forced the sale of their original San Juan home and a move to the newly built El Sadar, but success soon returned with the appointment of Fermín Escurra as club president in 1971. His 23 years in office saw Sasuna enjoy its first golden era, with 14 consecutive Primera seasons, Pepe Alzate coached a strong and aggressive squad to promotion in 1980 before Ibika Bersic took over. The Serbian took his side to a 6th place finish in the 84-85 season and with it a first-ever spot in the UEFA Cup. The club from Pamplona famously knocked out Glasgow Rangers in the first round with a 2-0 win at a packed El Sadar. Supporters still vividly remember Enrique Martín, sporting that iconic Meiva home shirt, climbing the perimeter fence to celebrate his goal. It was very hard to imagine that things could get much better for Sassuna, but that's exactly what happened later. Under the guidance of Navarre's coach, Pedro María Zabalza, Los Rojillos finished fifth in 1988 and reached the semifinal of the Copa del Rey, their best campaign for 30 years. Three seasons later, they went... One better, the goals of legendary Polish striker Jan Urban, combined with a near-impenetrable defence, saw Osasuna secure a fourth-place finish and a return to the UEFA Cup. That season produced the club's most famous victory to date, a 4-0 demolition of Real Madrid at the Bernabeu that saw Urban bag a hat-trick. Osasuna's UEFA Cup odyssey of the 1991-92 season is still talked about today in the bars of Pamplona. The campaign didn't get off to the most auspicious start, with a 1-0 loss in Bulgaria to Slavia-Sofia. But in the second leg, they turned on the style, with goals from Cholo and academy graduates Eugenio Bustingorri and Miguel Solá securing a 4-0 thrashing. To open the second round, Zabalza's side held Bundesliga champions to be Stuttgart to a goalless draw. In the return leg, Osasuna remarkably found themselves 3-0 up after 47 minutes. Urban scored the opener with a strike into the bottom corner before turning provider on 17 minutes by finding an unmarked Ángel Merino at the far post. Just after halftime, Urban grabbed his second, smartly sidestepping a lunging tackle to fire home from the edge of the box. Osasuna weathered a late comeback from their shell shock hosts and progressed to the third round to face Ajax Amsterdam. Ultimately, an Ajax side boasting the talents of Dennis Belcamp, Frank De Boer, and Danny Blind among its ranks proved a step too far. A goal in each fixture from a young Bergkamp proved the inspiration for the eventual tournament winners as a brave Osasuna dropped out. But the Spanish club had far from disgraced themselves, returning home as heroes, having put Pamplona on the footballing map with gutsy and spirited performances. The reminder of the 90s saw the club's fortunes nosedive. Zabalza resigned in December 1993 with his side 18th in the table. Come the end of the season, they were dead last, spelling an end to a 14-year stint in Primera and Escurra's 23-year presidency. The next four years were nothing short of chaotic, with two presidents hiring seven different coaches. Relegation to Segunda B was only narrowly avoided in 1997 thanks to the coaching brilliance of Enrique Martín and a handful of talented academy graduates. But by the turn of the century, Osasuna were on the up again. Miguel Angelotina guided Los Rojillos to promotion with a second-place finish in Segunda, prompting another 14-year stay in the top flight.
2: So the year 2000 was one of promotion back to Spain's top flight for Osasuna. Certainly not a bad way to begin a new decade and a new millennium. Here's Roman de Arquer now to tell us how they did in their first season backup, that 2000-2001 season, and how they fared in the year since then.
0: Osasuna's start to the 21st century could have been a disaster, but it was spared in the last matchday of the 2000-2001 season with a 1-0 win over Real Sociedad that boosted the team out of the relegation zone and into safety. A result that would see Osasuna enjoy 14 consecutive campaigns in Spain's top flight with some great moments we'll look into, but not without a struggle. As a matter of fact, the following 2001-2002 season, Osasuna finished 17th, two points away from the bottom three and just barely avoiding relegation once again. But fortunately, Los Rojillos learned from their mistakes for the following years. In 2003, they matched their best result in the Copa del Rey, reaching the semi-finals for the fourth time in their history, but falling by 4-2 to Recreativo de Huelva. Although two years later, Osasuna achieved the unexpected by making it to their first Copa del Rey final ever under manager Javier Aguirre. Castellón, Girona, Getafe, Sevilla and Atlético de Madrid were all eliminated by Los Rojillos, meeting Real Betis in the grand finale. The match was played at the Vicente Calderón, Atlético de Madrid's former stadium, with the presence of around 20,000 Osasuna fans. But it was the Andalusian side that scored first in the 76th minute, thanks to Ricardo Oliveira a late goal that put a lot of pressure on Osasuna as the clock was ticking down. Yet in the 86th minute, Australian striker John Aloisi connected a cross from Frenchman Del Porte to beat Tony Doblas and take the game to extra time. Osasuna then held on until the 115th minute, when Danny finished off a perfect counter-attack which put Betis ahead and ultimately led them to the title. It was a big blow for them, but at least it meant they would have a chance at playing in the UEFA Cup. Although their European run didn't last long. In fact, they didn't even make it to the group stages after losing to Stade René 3-1 on aggregate in the first round. That wouldn't affect Osasuna for the upcoming season, as they matched their best result ever in Primera División by finishing 4th. Aguirre made a triumphant exit, leaving the club in Champions League positions before heading to Atlético de Madrid. It was a great opportunity for Los Rojillos to play in Europe's top competition. But it never happened. In the third qualifying round, they were paired with Hamburg, who made the most of their away goal in the second leg of the tie. It ended 1-1 on aggregate, but at least Osasuna still had European hopes with the UEFA Cup. This time, the away goal rule would benefit them against Turkish side Trabonspor after a 2-2 away draw, which would end up being the overall aggregate as no goals were delivered at El Reino de Navarra, name given to Osasuna stadium between 2005 and 2013. In the group stage, they kept up the good work and finished second among five teams. In the round of 32, they eliminated Girondin de Bordeaux, followed by Rangers in the round of 16, and then thrashing Bayer Leverkusen in the quarterfinals with a 4-0 aggregate. Osasuna went on to play their very first semi-final ever in a European competition against a team they knew very well, Sevilla Football Club. This guaranteed that at least one Spanish team would be in the final, and Osasuna were a step closer after winning the first leg with a lonely goal from Roberto Soldado. But an away game at the Sanchez-Pizjuán is never easy, especially taking into account they were the current champions of the competition, having won it the previous year. Osasuna were put to the test and unfortunately missed a golden opportunity to experience their first international final after a 2-0 win from the home side. And that would be Osasuna's last memorable moment in European competitions as they never managed to qualify again ever since. They then seemed quite stabilized in Spain's top division until the 2013-14 campaign in which they eventually collapsed, getting trapped in the relegation zone and returning to Segunda División under Javi Gracia. It was a terrible way for Osasuna's captain Pachi Puñal to retire after having played over 500 games in over 15 years at the club. It also led to one of the club's worst crises ever, with a debt of around 100 million euros. In fact, Osasuna's return to Segunda would see them on the brink of a second consecutive relegation. Three managers took charge during that campaign, but they only saved themselves in the very last match day. Before it began, Los Rojillas were three points clear, but a 1-0 win from Racing de Santander against Albacete meant they were required to at least get a point. In the 75th minute, they were losing 2-0 against Sabadell, and fans were panicking. But David Garcia's goal one minute later gave them a glimmer of hope, which was culminated by Javi Fláño's header in the 91st minute for a miraculous moment in their history. For the following season, they radically changed, fighting in the opposite end of the standings and returning to La Liga through the playoffs after eliminating Catalan sides Nástica and Girona. But their tenure wouldn't last, as another relegation followed in the 2016-17 season after an extremely disappointing run in which they only managed 22 points in 38 games. It took them another two seasons to recover their prestigious spot in the Spanish top tier after dominating Segunda División quite comfortably with 87 points and a direct promotion with manager Jago Barrasate.
2: So that was the more recent history of Osasuna. Now that we've heard all these stories, achievements, setbacks, anecdotes, it's time to put a few names to all of this. I'm talking about club legends. We've got Alex Brotherton coming up now, and he's going to talk us through the stories of three Osasuna all-time heroes. So here's Alex to talk us through
1: his list. First up is Javier Castaneda. He might not be that well-known outside Pamplona, but in a list of Spanish football's greatest defenders, he's surely up there. The Madrid-born centre-back arrived at El Sadar in 1980, a year on from reaching the Copa del Rey final with that famous Real Madrid-Castilla side. Part of the legendary Osasuna team of the 80s and early 90s, he stewarded the back line for 11 seasons in Primera, which included 4th and 5th place finishes, as well as the club's first UEFA Cup campaign. He made 349 first division appearances for Los Ruggios, which puts him in the club's top 10, but what was remarkable was his longevity. Just eight of those appearances came from the bench. He was renowned for his pace, technical ability, and for being an unusually clean defender, despite his relatively short height of 5 feet and and 11.5 inches. He certainly made a positive impression on one Diego Armando Maradona, after being kept quiet in Barcelona's defeat at El Sadar in 1983, the Argentine lauded Castaneda as one of the best he'd ever faced. Another legend from the glory days of the 80s is Enrique Martín. He's a local hero. He dedicated his entire professional career to the cause, and even became manager. Over nine seasons, the striker made 253 appearances, scoring 45 goals. Like Castaneda, he played in the club's maiden European voyage, scoring in the 2-0 win against Rangers to send the home crowd absolutely berserk that he later had three separate spells as manager only adds to his legend. While he could do little to save an already doomed Osasuna from the drop in 1994, he returned three years later to keep them in Segunda. After numerous stints coaching the B team, he took up the reins again late on in 2014-15. He performed a minor miracle in guiding the club away from relegation to the third tier, before securing promotion to La Liga the year after. There's something magical about becoming a club hero as a player and then a coach. Like Barcelona have Cruyff and Guardiola, Osasuna have Martín. Osasuna's success of the 2000s would not have happened without Pachi Puniál. Francisco Puniál, known as Pachi, is a living embodiment of what it means to be a proud Navarro. Born just 6 kilometres from Pamplona in the town of Huarte, Puniál joined Osasuna as a kid and made his first team debut in 1997, aged 21. He's Osasuna through and through. Save for two seasons on loan at Leganes, the defence midfielder was a one-club man. He was ever-present as Osasuna reached the Copa del Rey final in 2005, achieved a club-best 4th place league finish in 2006, and reached the semi-finals of the 2006-2007 UEFA Cup. He made 513 appearances, with 420 of those coming in La Liga. Both for club records. Fiercely loyal to his club and region, he represented the Basque Country and Navarra, Instead of Spain. His retirement in 2014 sparked scenes similar to mourning, such as his untouchable legacy at El Sadar.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Thanks for that, Alex. Now, let's hear some more about the mythical stadium of El Siddar and about the football and culture that surrounds the city of Pamplona and the general culture that they have there. Remember, this is the city of the San Fermín bill running festival. To discuss all of this we've got Osasuna fan and journalist Ignacy Tornay who we've already mentioned some of his work earlier on. I love hearing Ignacy's thoughts on Pamplona because he knows it so well but he's not actually from there. He comes from outside and just fully embraced Osasuna and the fan base has fully embraced him. So here's his thoughts on the city of Pamplona and on Osasuna's fans.
3: I'm going to talk about one of the most famous cities in the world. I'm not joking, but I remember the very first time I came to Pamplona. It happened to me the same feeling when I visited New York, yeah, New York, for my very first time. And believe me, I'm not kidding you. Pamplona is a place where you feel you have been before, because of all the memories and scenes we have watched on tv. I'm talking about San Fermines, of course. It's strange how crazy is this worldwide famous festival. Let's be honest, the inventors, let's say precursors, must be very drunk to propose. Hey, let some balls running down the streets will be a lot of fun. (laughs) Now our people are awesome. I consider Pamplona as an underdog city, cause the world attention for travelers go to San Sebastian and Bilbao, even Logroño, but Pamplona and Navarra are perfect, are small but big enough to get lost around the old streets from the city center, discovering new bars or tiny shops. Pamplona is plenty of history, extraordinary Basque heritage and ancient traditions. They make you feel comfortable, always on the street, enjoying their city. The quality of life here is huge. Gastronomy is incredible, and the city is very well located. You, just, you are just less than an hour from San Sebastian, Vitoria-Gasteiz, Eibar, or Logrono, just two hours away from Bilbao and Zaragoza, which is perfect for football lovers like me. And when it comes to football, Pamplona and Osasuna is the perfect mix. Fascinating pre match experiences, impressive fashions displayed from the fans, and the atmosphere at the El Sadar is very unique. Well, the old Sadar, I mean, because I'm a bit scared about the new stadium, actually. We don't know if Navars are ready for such a great football venue. It seems too much, says my friend out Humble feelings and sensations from these brave people who couldn't celebrate their centenary in the best way, the way they liked the most, all together, like a big family. Thanks for
2: that, Ignacy. Yes, Osasuna have redeveloped their El Sadar Stadium to now boast one of the best-looking venues in all of Spain. The new ground should be even more comfortable than the other one, but you do just have to hope that nothing is lost in terms of the atmosphere because the Osasuna atmosphere is one of the most special in all of La Liga. And as we've heard in this episode, the whole Osasuna story is a special one. So my thanks go out to this episode's contributors. That's Paco Pollitt, Roman de Arcaire, Alex Brotherton and Ignacy Tornay. I've been your host, Jumatir. And remember, we are La Liga Lowdown. You can find us online and on social media. We hope to pick up the conversation there.